Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 12 in just a moment. You know, this morning as we've been worshiping, I've been thinking as we've been singing about the different men in our congregation every week who stand before us to lead us in our praise and worship, who stand before us to lead us in our prayers. And this morning was just another reminder of how blessed we are with men in this church who love God and who lead this church in some mighty ways and leading us closer to the throne of God. And this morning, I appreciate Elton and Richard so much for their thoughts and their prayers and their scriptures that they have shared with this church. And I encourage us every day, pray for those who lead in this church, but also encourage them and tell them thank you, not just from here and there. Tell them thank you every time you see them because, God, I want to tell you, church, it takes a lot to stand up here and to look over a crowd of three or 400 people and to speak. And so a lot of folks are nervous about that, and we're blessed with men to lead this church. And so let's encourage them and lift them up on a daily basis. The concept that we've been talking about the, over the past few weeks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven I hope you're beginning to realize it's not a new idea. It's not a new concept. It's something that Jesus introduced as he began to walk and talk on this earth. But before we look at Matthew chapter 4, I want you to look at this quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes. I love these words. He says, the great thing in this world is not so much where we stand as in what direction we are moving. To reach the port of heaven, we must sail sometimes with the wind and sometimes against it, but we must sail and not drift nor lie at anchor. I want you to keep those words up there for just a moment, and I want that to soak in this morning as we begin. You see, the church and this idea of ushering in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God we begin to realize God is using us. God is using me and you to reach more people for his cause. And we're not just to sit there. We are not to just drift. We're not just to lie at anchor. We are always in the church. We need to always be sailing. Amen? We need to be going forward, and as we move and as we go forward, as Jesus teaches us so well, we want to take more and more people with us. Heaven is something we all desire. Raise your hand this morning if you desire to go to heaven, okay? Raise them up high. Now, have you ever met somebody who is looking forward to going to hell? Have you ever met somebody like that? I mean, really, has somebody ever really had the audacity or maybe even stupidity to look at you and say, I just can't wait to go to hell? No. Everybody, everybody, the whole wide world knows 
that there's a heaven, or they should, and if they don't, that's another responsibility that we have is to teach there really is a heaven and there really is a hell, and there's one place you want to go and one place you want to stay away from, okay? And so as we're all on this journey going to heaven, what we begin to realize is this journey is really not just about me. It's about God's will being done in my heart. And it's about God's will being done not just in my heart, but that he's using us as a channel of living water to reach out to more and more people. And so I want you to look in Matthew chapter 4, and I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning as I read verses 12 through 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So as Jesus is beginning his public ministry, if you've ever wondered what he preached as he started, here it is. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I want those words to soak in for a moment. Because I want you to think about it. To the folks who heard it for the first time, they were living life the way that they wanted to live. Okay? And all of a sudden, Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for there's a new king in town. And this new king says, if you're going to live in my kingdom, there's a way to live and there's a way not to. And so it's a time to check your life. It's a time for us this morning to take hold of who we are and what direction our life may be going. And it may be that we need to hear the same words that Jesus said then. Repent. What does it mean to repent? It means that you're going one direction. And if it's not the direction of God, if it's not the direction that's leading you closer to his will, he says repent. Which means you change. And you turn and you go in another direction. And as you go in another direction, you are changing the way that you think, you're changing the way that you speak, you're changing the very lifestyle that you live. Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Over in Matthew chapter 13, turn over just a few pages. This is kind of review, uh, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Look in verse 31. He told him another parable. Kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants, 
and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. The mustard plant of Palestine was very different from the mustard plant that we have here today in this country. In the east, when you speak of a mustard seed, it represented smallness to the mind of a Jew. Okay? And in Palestine, this little grain of mustard seed grows into something like a tree. And so the Lord is pointing out that the kingdom of heaven starts from the smallest beginnings, but no man knows where it will end. I want you to think about that for a moment. The kingdom is like that. It starts small, but it grows to where you and I cannot even comprehend the end of it. And just think about it. You and I are just a small little speck in God's larger kingdom. But yet, a speck or not, we count, don't we? And we're somebody special because we're in the kingdom of God. And so, I think a lot of times in Christianity, we get so discouraged because it's not big and it's not uh, dramatic like an earthquake experience. But I want to remind you of something. Jesus started small. He used how many men? He used 12 men, not just to change their little area, not just to change their neighborhood. He used 12 men to change the world. And so think about if what Jesus did with these 12, think about what Jesus can do with you and I. You see, we may just be a speck, but in the eyes of God, we are something pretty grand because we lie in his kingdom. And when we're in his kingdom, there is no end. There is no end to the good that can come because God is in control. And so he continues this teaching when he says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Verse 33, that a woman took mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. You see, the thing about yeast, it doesn't grow. It permeates. It transforms. It changes the makeup of the product that it's put into. And so when you put yeast into a lump of dough, what happens? It begins to rise, and when the kingdom or the ways of God is accepted, here's what happens. It changes people's lives. And as our lives are changed, we are transformed more into the likeness of that of Jesus Christ. I want you to look over in Acts chapter 17 for a minute. Acts chapter 17. We're going to be in several places for a little bit this morning, so... Uh, have your Bibles or your smart apps ready to go. Acts chapter 17, I want you to jump down to verse 5. This idea that the kingdom transforms and it changes what it comes in contact with, listen, listen to these words beginning in verse 5. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. 
But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. And they're all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. See, there's another king that's coming to the neighborhood. And let me tell you, when the word gets out that this king is here, man, I mean all the other little people, they can't take it because they are wanting to bow down to the one king that they thought was going to rule the world and was going to take care of all life's problems. But Jesus says, I've got another thing coming. And there's another thing coming that my will is going to be done. And here's how it's going to be accomplished. And when they heard this, they heard the teachings of Jesus, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. And then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. You see, here's what begins to happen. These men who have turned the world upside down guess what they are now in a new neighborhood they are now in a new place and what are they saying you too need to know what Jesus can do and even though he may start small it is amazing the difference that he can make in our life and so amazingly Christianity started out so small and now a few years later it's interesting listening to this view that they have turned the world upside down for the cause of Christ. Church, mark this down this morning. You and I, as we are part of the kingdom of God, our role is to turn the world upside down for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's it. And if we're focused on anything but that, we are focused on wrong things. We need to focus on people. We need to focus on turning the world. And our world needs more of Jesus, doesn't it? Our neighborhoods need more of Jesus. Our schools need more of Jesus. Our businesses need more of Jesus. And it starts when you and I take up the cause of Christ just like they did here in Acts chapter 17, and we begin in a small way, but in mighty ways, turning the world, turning our little world upside down for Jesus Christ. And so as the kingdom is advancing, here's the question I want to pose to us today. What are we, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, number one, I want to suggest that we are always to seek first his kingdom, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. That idea of seeking means to strive after. It means to desire above all. It means to submit to or to participate in. And so I want you to think about that in your own walk with Jesus this morning. What are you striving after? What are you desiring above all? What are you participating in? Who and what are you submitting your life to? Jesus says, in my kingdom, above all, 
You make first priority, seeking first the kingdom of God. And when you do that, all these things, all these other things will come. But you know what happens a lot of times? We start seeking everything else, and guess what we lose out on? We lose out on the will of God. And so maybe what it is in our own walk is we need to reprioritize to seek first his kingdom so that not only we're getting the kingdom and all that comes with that, but we're also getting the things that come after that, which is so important as well. Number two, we are to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray. Pray more earnestly for God and his will to come right down here just like it was done in heaven. You see, you've heard this said before, and it's so true. Down here on earth, we need a whole lot more of heaven right down here. Okay? We need a whole lot more of the thoughts and the thinking and the desires from above we need them right down here. And that starts in my heart. It starts in your heart. And so as we advance the kingdom, we seek first his kingdom. We pray for God's kingdom to come. And number three, we do all that we can do to always be advancing the Lord's kingdom. Always, as Oliver Holmes said, be sailing and not just lying at anchor, not just drifting. I don't want to just drift, do you? Man, I, I, it's like, to me, I'm ready to get in the motorboat, and I'm ready to go. I don't want to just paddle around. Forget the paddle boat. I'm ready to go to town. Aren't you, church? Because there's a lot to be done, and there's a whole lot more people that need to see and realize and have their eyes open to the good that God has to bring to them in their life. I want you to turn back to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Some of you came up to me last week after the sermon where we talked about this passage in Luke 17. And you said, you know, I hadn't heard that before. I haven't heard the importance that the kingdom lies within. Isn't that a beautiful concept? And again, it's not something new at all. It's something that's always been there, but maybe somehow in our teachings and maybe somehow through whatever lens we looked at it, maybe we didn't see it that way. But I want you to grasp in Luke chapter 17, look again in verse 20. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Look at what he says. Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Think about that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand right here, and I want you to say, the kingdom of God is right here. Say that. Convince me. I want to hear you. The kingdom. Okay. Now, with that thought in mind, hear these words from William Barclay. 
He says the kingdom of God works in men's hearts. It is to produce not new things, but new people. It is not a revolution in material things that we're to look for, but a revolution in the hearts of men. Kim, keep those words up there for just a moment. I want you to think about something, church. The last thing we need is one more new thing. Amen? What God has always desired, what God has always wanted from the very beginning is for this right here, His holy word, His written word, to come off the pages and right here into my heart. This is to permeate off the page and into my heart, and what a difference the Word of God makes when that happens. It's one thing to just read the Word of God from page to page. It's another thing to really ask God, I want your Word to soak in. I want your Word to take up residence in my heart, because I want more of you and less of me. I want more of Jesus and less of self. Think about that concept. And so a lot of times in our conversations, you know what we talk about? We talk a lot about the church. We talk about what's going right with the church. And we're really good about talking about what's wrong with the church. You know what, church? Maybe we're focused so much on church that we've lost concept of Jesus Christ. I'm not down on the church. Can't be. Because Jesus bought it and he died for it. With that in mind, may our conversations about the church be about kingdom matters. May our conversations about the church revolve around not producing new things, but new people. Not a revolution in material things that we're to look for but a revolution in the hearts of mankind. And so that revolutionary concept that the kingdom of God can be found through your heart, so here's what it boils down to. When you're out and about living life, the kingdom of God is as close as you are to other people. The kingdom of God is as close as you are to other people. It's as near as the person standing right there. And so imagine the people in our world that are missing the ways of God when they are that close to us. And yet, you look at that, I'm responsible for that. You're responsible to everybody that you come in contact with to take opportunity to talk to them about the Lord. I recently read about an exploration to the South Pole where this team from England wanted to make it to the South Pole and so they went into all this hard training. They had their dog sleds and equipment and they had all these problems popping up at the start. It's so cold, more than normal, and so the sled didn't slide as well and on the trip People were getting hurt, and one by one, they were beginning to die. 
And this one man kept a diary of his journey, day one, day two, day three, and so forth, of all the events that were taking place. And the team whittled down to just one person at the end who pitched a tent, figured he'd get up the next day and finish the journey because he was so, so tired. And as he went off to sleep, he never woke up. He never made it. And the sad thing is, as the rescuers came and found him, they realized he was only 10 miles away from safety. 10 miles, and he's safe. And another expedition found him frozen to death in his tent with his diary right here on his heart. And can you imagine traveling hundreds and hundreds of miles over several months to come so close and not make it? And if you think that's tragic, can you imagine not making heaven and having the Lord show you how close it was, close to someone sitting next to you? But they never heard because we never spoke. So this morning, let's be reminded that we have a great responsibility to share the kingdom of heaven, to share the ways of God with other people. Because here's the deal. You never know the difference it will make when you share. You never know. You never know the good that's going to come from your conversation unless you have it. And in John chapter 7... Beginning in verse 37, Jesus says these words. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Jesus is standing and shouting his great invitation to thirsty sinners. And this water was a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And believers would not only drink the living water, but they would become, and here's where you and I come into play, they would become channels of living water to bless a thirsty world. That's who you and I are. We are channels of living water that will bless a thirsty world. I love the words that Dallas Willard says in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives. He says this. He says spirituality in human beings is not an extra or superior mode of existence. It's not a hidden stream of separate reality, a separate life running parallel to our bodily existence. It does not consist of special inward acts, even though it has an inner aspect. It is, rather, a relationship of our embodied selves to God that has the natural and irrepressible effect of making us alive to the kingdom of God here and now in the material world. We are to become alive in the kingdom of God. So I want you to look at this picture for a moment. I want you to look at that body of water. Now, 
sitting in here in this nice, cold, air-conditioned room doesn't look that good. In about 15 minutes when you step outside in the 101, 102 degree weather, I want you to think about this body of water. Okay? Think about that. I mean, it's just calm. It's just so nice. It's just perfect. You see, water quenches thirst, doesn't it? It satisfies that basic need that we have. You and I cannot live without water. We can only survive a short time without it. It changes and brings about pure life. Just like the ways of God purifies and cleanses us and brings life to us. And so that picture of water is what we are to be to a lost and dying world. They are to look at our lives see Jesus and they're to realize that we're just a channel to striving to be a blessing to more and more people in church may we realize the kingdom of heaven is not just about us the kingdom of heaven is about other people think about that kingdom of heaven is about others We're just a small speck. And I don't know about you, I want some other specks to be around us. Don't you? And so, understand this. The only thing that can stop the kingdom in your life is you. Only thing that can stop the kingdom is you. You're the only one who can shut off the river. And so if you allow the kingdom to come through you touching others, who knows the possibilities? God will make it grow. We just plant and water. And so Jesus is informing as the kingdom of heaven comes in power and authority, The kingdom of darkness does not have a chance. The kingdom of darkness cannot and will not stand as compared to the kingdom of light. And we've been invited to participate in the kingdom of light. And when the kingdom works through us, all the power and authority will also flow through us as well. And as it touches others, we cannot help but in our life be touched by it as well. So, Father, thank you for the kingdom. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be participants in the kingdom of light. And, Father, as we go about living life in this dark world, Help us to be channels of living water to more and more people. Through your name we pray. And all of God's people said, let's stand.